Praise God. Praise God. <laughs> Aren't you happy? It's Pentecost Sunday, man. So good. So good. Can someone guess where we're going to go this morning? Anyone? All right. I heard it. I heard a couple of you. Some of you Bible scholars, come on. Acts chapter 2, we're going to go there this morning, but before we do, so much goodness. I just want to say thank you, church. We, we love you. So tremendous this church is. You guys are um, so giving, so gracious, so thoughtful. Uh, we receive so many texts and so many uh, cards and just so much love um, during this time that we were locked down and Man, we did not see ourselves being quarantined ever again. We thought we were on the end of this, but now we are, praise God. Um, and we're getting there. We got some people to fight through uh, this week. Keep praying, uh, as Pastor shared, that uh, need, need, some, need to get through this recovery process. But thank God he protects us. Thank God that he is our healer, Jehovah Rapha. Come on, somebody. And uh, by his stripes, we are healed. I got a little with uh, this whole thing. I got a little bit upset. I, I, now, if sickness doesn't make you mad, mm, I'm not going to wake you up this morning. I get mad at sickness because sickness stops us from being able to do what God wants us to do. Are you with me this morning? Like have church. And uh, that was uh, not what we planned for, just to let you know. Um, but thank God we're back together. It was a year ago on Pentecost Sunday, we reopened for the first time in the pandemic. And and so we were just remember, remembering that this morning, that uh, it's like a deja vu a little bit. But uh, praise God, I just believe we are on the verge of doors opening. Yeah. We are on the verge of opportunity. I just want to share that this morning, that I believe that God is opening a door for evangelism once again. And uh, we always have a door for evangelism, but I just believe increased opportunity. How many believe with me for that? Just that there are people who have been in darkness and in, in, in lockdown and pandemic and in fear and anxiety. I heard a statistic that said, this was that artist. Uh, are, are we good on the mic? All right. Uh, from a secular artist or a secular uh, analyst or somebody who said that before the pandemic, about 11% of people suffered with uh, mental issues like anxiety and fear. They're saying now it's about 42%. 42%. So how many know we have an opportunity to be a light in a dark land, in a dark uh, situation in many people's lives? So Amen. praise God for that. I, I just believe God wants to do great things in and through his church. And just a reminder of that this morning as we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. And uh, over, over quarantine, it was pretty crazy. We had three birthdays in our household. That is not exactly what we planned in terms of, of celebration. But um, birthday, May is birthday month. First it's my daughter, then it's my, then it's my son, and then it's my wife, all in the span of one week. Uh, so yeah, um, we're just praying for replenishing of the budget. Amen. Uh, but it's a good time. I love birthdays. How many love your birthdays? Amen. Some people are, some people are like, they skip birthdays. Some people are like, end of birthdays, right? Um, some people are like, I, don't, I just want to ignore the fact it's my birthday. I'm happy with last year's number. And, uh, but 
when you know when birthdays come around we get excited because there's gifts and there's things and and there's it's also a time of reflection it's a time to look back on your life and remember the good times remember uh years ago and if you have facebook those memories pop up of your kids on their birthday and you're like wow they've grown so fast and all that um and they've changed so much, and we see how life has just progressed. And, and maybe during a moment on your birthday, you, you take a moment and reflect on, am I the person who God has called me to be? Am I, be, am I fulfilling his purpose in my life? Am I really living up to the potential of all that God has for me? Amen? You guys got quiet. But I think that's relevant today in this, that Pentecost, we celebrate the birthday of the church. It's a reminder to us as the church who we're called to be, our origin, our nature, who God has called us and empowered us to be as the church. And sometimes you look back at the book of Acts and you see the book of Acts and you see the church in, 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 in function in the book of Acts and you go, well, that's not quite what we're seeing today. But I believe God wants to bring us back to those things. Come on. God wants to restore us to the original design. God wants to bring us back to our original purpose and plan and to look back and see the DNA of who he called the church to be at Pentecost. The blueprint for how the church was to function and impact our world. It's a moment to reflect on how we become and are we living up to this powerful potential that God intends for us to operate as the living organism, the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. His body in the earth, carrying on his ministry to the world, fulfilling his last earthly command. I love what Pastor Kalebi says. It's their motto. His last command is our first concern. His last command is our first concern. So in case we got off focus, Pentecost is a reminder of what God wants us to focus on. Amen? Amen. And what I want to speak on today is really three words. This is that. Okay. This is that. Yeah. You want to trade? Yeah. Okay. That's, this is that, Mike, that's going to work now. Praise God. <laughs> um, look at verse 14. We'll st- skip to Acts chapter 2, verse 14. And honestly, I don't, we'll see where the Holy Spirit takes this this morning because uh, I'm all over the place. But God, 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 it's, it's such a fine thing that the Holy Spirit does when he takes all this stuff and just brings it together. And I believe he'll speak to our hearts this morning. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your, for your Holy Spirit being poured out on us. Lord, we thank you for, for your goodness and your mercy and your grace that we are living in the last days, but God, that you are pouring out your spirit. You've never stopped. And Lord, we, we desire this morning to be filled afresh in your presence. We desire this morning to be uh, empowered, mobilized, Lord, to be who you've called us to be, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your word this morning. Speak to each and every heart. And Lord, let your word be like a two-edged sword, dividing asunder the soul and the spirit and revealing the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We receive it. We believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, But verse 14, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea 
and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. I thought it was pretty interesting when it, there was a note in, in one of the translations where it says, but Peter standing up with the leaven says, uh, it almost is like he was pushed forward to be the spokesman. And it was like the other eleven were like, hey, Peter, just to show how powerful our God is, let's put you, the one who denied uh, the Lord, up first to speak to this. And he's like, oh, uh, you know, I don't know how he did it. I just, I have mental pictures when I read scripture. But he is put forward as the spokesman. And here he is, he's standing and he's preaching on the day of Pentecost, the first message, the first sermon of the New, Test- New, New Church. And uh, so much in here, there's no way I can fully unpack it this morning, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you what I got. Amen? And uh, the day, had, you know, look at the background. The day of Pentecost had fully come, it says on, in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And there, you know, that, that is saying that God has a timing for what he does. A perfect timing. And the, and the word in scripture is kairos timing, which is when conditions have come together and been met. And so the conditions were met. It says they were all in one accord. They were all in agreement in this, in this place. They were in one place. And some scholars will argue, were they in the upper room still? Were they in that open um, area where everyone could hear? I don't know, but they were in one place. And last year I celebrated this passage because we were in one place once again. <laughs> and here we are this morning. But it was seven weeks, 50 days after Passover, 10 days after the ascension. The disciples had been waiting patiently and expectantly, somebody say expectantly, for 10 days in that upper room for power from on high so that they could be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. To be his witnesses. Remember that. And the Bible says that the manifestation was this, that there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind from heaven that came in. There was tongues of fire that appeared over each one of them. And the Bible says that they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Spirit empowered them, they spoke in other tongues. These Galileans were speaking languages of multiple nations unbeknownst to them probably. But they were declaring the works of God the wonderful works of God. And then this crowd had gathered for the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Wave Loaves. They would celebrate by taking two loaves of bread and waving them together as, the, as a celebration of the last wheat harvest. It was a great time. And a great time for the Holy Spirit to be poured out in that place. And here was an attention-grabbing event that was Holy Spirit-breathed, not hype Not human hype, but Holy Spirit breathed and got everybody's attention in that place that day. It was undeniable. And so Peter steps up and it says that there were scoffers. They were mocking. And he comes to speak to this and he says, these men are not drunk as you suppose. He just addressed their mocking. This isn't isn't, uh, Jack Daniels. This isn't Miller High Life. This is Jesus High Life. Come on. This is Holy Spirit High Life. That we have going on here. How many know that's a good way to open a sermon? (laughs) Talk about an illustration. Talk about a grabbing your attention moment when all of heaven, you know, the Holy Spirit is coming and there's sounds and there's things being heard and there's things being seen that they've never seen before. It's exciting. But 
It reminds us of how misunderstood us Pentecostal charismatic types are, aren't we? These are not drunk as you suppose. And uh, it reminded me of a story. Because when I was a kid and I'd have friends come over on a Saturday night to spend the night in high school, the rule was they stay the night, they go to church. And a few of my friends were not saved and had never been to church maybe. And so I remember bringing one to church one morning, and we're just having a Holy Ghost moment in church, and it's in worship, and everybody's singing in the Spirit, and, and it's just an amazing atmosphere. And, and I look back at my friend David, and he's, he's there. His eyes are popping out of his head. And he, scree- he just goes, what? Oh, he screamed this out loud. I'm not kidding. He says, what are they doing? He was in shock. I've never seen anything like this before. And uh, man, I never heard the end of that one, but David was shocked. But we're misunderstood, but man, God, God, God moves in, in crazy ways. And the Holy Spirit, is, there's, there's, the Bible says there's many manifestations, amen? There's many manifestations uh, of the Holy Spirit, but Uh, You know, look, in every crowd, there are going to be all types, the mockers, the critics, the jokers, the scoffers, but Peter disarms them all by saying, hey, you can't write this off by just saying they're drunk. That's what we need. We need such a move of the Spirit in the church once again that people cannot write it off. They cannot write it off. They can't say, no, that's just this or that, but he says, no, this is what this is. Verse 16, he says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the New King James Version. But in the King James, it says, but this is that. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall, somebody say prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And now if you're not desiring these things, I hope I can stir up within you this morning a desire for these things. And on my maid servants, men servants, and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. There it is again. I will show wonders in heaven and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapors of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever, somebody say whoever, calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, how many are glad for that news this morning? I love King James says this is that. And Peter begins to quote Joel chapter 2. Now, understand this about Peter. He he didn't have the convenience of these devices or or, uh, the word printed. It was in his heart. I doubt he had some scrolls over to the side (laughs) for his note-taking. He was just preaching the Word of God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he speaks and he begins to go, no, this phenomenon you see has a scriptural basis. It has a scriptural basis. And let me explain to you, this is that, because that's what the world's crying out for is this is that. We've been looking for it, but is this that? We've been looking for it, but is this that? And he says, in the last days, understand that this was the beginning. It it, it ushered in a new era that began 
and it would end with the return of Jesus. We are in those last days. We've been in them for a while. The clock's ticking, church. The clock's ticking. And just as, as Sister prophesied this morning, it says in 2 Timothy 3, or 1 Timothy 3, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Men will be mockers. They'll be lovers of self. They'll do all these crazy things. They'll be dis- they'll, they'll disobedient. And do, are we not seeing that increase in our world? So it's a reminder to us that we're in those days. But in the midst of all that, God says this. He says, I'm going to pour out on all flesh. On all flesh. And so the spigot of heaven opened on Pentecost, and it's never been closed. Never been closed. The degree to which we experience the fullness of His Spirit depends on us, because he's, he's willing to give us this all. Why was it significant? Because it meant all race, all creed, all, all race, all color, all rich or privileged, it didn't matter, or poor, not just men, not just, not just adults, but children. Not just prophets and rabbis or religious leaders, but not just people in power, but all flesh who could experience the pouring out of his spirit. Yeah. And that they would all prophesy. Pouring, not dripping. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Pouring, not dripping. See, I just want to stir up some faith in your hearts this morning. Because sometimes we just settle for the drips when God wants the pour. He wants us to live in the overflow. This speaks of his desire for us to be completely filled with the Holy Spirit, overflowing, living a life of superabundance. We are the ones who limit the degree to which we are filled, not him. It is our desire, our thirst, our hunger for the Holy Spirit that determines how filled we are. Come on. Here's how I've said it before. We have as much of the Lord as we want. We have as much of him as we want. It's the want to that God wants to increase in us. As that crowd each heard in their own language the mighty deeds of God being declared, Peter says this is that, that God said he would do this. God said he would do this. And then another promise of revival which says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved in that time. When the Holy Spirit is poured out, men and women are drawn unto the Lord. He says, they cannot come unto Him except the Spirit draw them. So the Spirit of the Lord begins to convict and bring, bring, touch people's hearts. Now again, they have to decide. They have to cooperate. But that, that is an awesome power of the Holy Spirit to draw men unto Him. Amen? Are you still with me? Verse 22, let's go there. It says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed, somebody say loosed, the pains of death. Come on. Because it was not possible that he should be held by it. I love that. Not possible. He says, this is that which the prophet Joel spoke, but there's more. This is Jesus. 
Peter then turns their attention to the person of Jesus, saying, He was that, the promised Messiah, the one they were waiting for according to God's plan, purpose, and foreknowledge. He preaches the person of Jesus. Attested to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. And this attested means approved by God, apodeknome, to declare, to show, to prove what kind of person anyone is, to prove by arguments and demonstrate. If you have a moment, turn your Bibles to John 10, and I think it's verse 38. I didn't put it on the slide, but... I probably should have. Here we go. You guys still with me? It's uh, verses 37 and 38. He says this. He says, I, if I do the works of my Father, do not believe me, but <clears throat> do not believe me, but if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works so that me, you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am the Father. So he challenges them saying, believe the works if you can't believe me. Attested to by God, approved, declared to show, to prove what kind of person he was, to prove by demonstration. Somebody say demonstration this morning. And this word miracles, dynamis is inherent power to perform miracles, but this word wonders is really cool. It's terrorist, and it says, something strange causing the beholder to marvel is always used in the plural, always rendered wonders appeal to our imagination, and they leave us in awe. Leave us in awe. We need to get back to that, to being in awe of what God is doing in our world, to be in awe of what God is doing in the church, to be in awe of what God is doing in our lives. Amen? And I, this thought came to me. I have funny thoughts sometimes, but we were on the freeway a few, few weeks ago, and how many know traffic's coming back? Yes. That's one part I'm not happy about, but that's okay. And I'm like, we, it's a Sunday afternoon, and we're stuck in, in bumper-to-bumper traffic on the freeway, and I'm trying to go, what is going on? And so I, I always do this. My, my wife, you know, turn, turn on Google. You see what's going on. How long does this red go? And uh, she's looking at it, and she's like, oh, there's an accident up here. And as we got close, you've, you've had this moment, especially us in Seattle, right? The accident was on the other lane, and everybody's just doing the rubbernecker. I'm like, come on. <laughs> Do you realize you have stopped traffic for five miles because, and you know what happens after the accident? It just clears up. Oh, that's over. Got their attention. But man, we need some stuff in the church that causes some rubbernecking. (laughs) Wait, what's happening there? What is happening there? Not something negative to see this destruction and terrible accident, but something amazing that God is doing. To redefine the acts of God. (laughs) Come on. The insurance company says acts of God are destructive. My acts of God are creative. My acts of God are are, are wonders. They're signs. They're awesome miracles. Come on. That's the God we serve. Let's get some rubbernecking to see what God is doing. 
He desires the attention of the world around us by demonstrating the power of his spirit through us in order to reveal Jesus to the world around us. And this just reminded me, I was thinking back because it's birthday, so I was thinking back of just times that I've had experiences in my life with the Lord that left me in awe. And I'm reminded of, at 15 years old, my dad got me to go with him on a mission trip to Romania. It was 1990, I want to say the November of 1990, and the, and the communist government had just been ousted. There had been a coup, and so Ceausescu, this dictator who had been awful, uh, tyrant, had been ousted, and now, now they were coming into this place of you know, chaos, and, but it was an open door for the gospel, and this evangelist we were with was there to preach the gospel, and um, I mean, we, we arrived, and we hadn't been in the hotel for 15 minutes, and there's a riot outside the hotel. You can hear gunshots. I'm like, wow, what did I sign up for? And craziness, but then, and you're driving past these buildings, and you see these long bread lines, and you just see these, this war-torn scene of buildings that have been destroyed by war. And yet we pull up to these places where we were having meetings and there was thousands waiting to come in because they were so hungry for something real. And one of my favorite moments, there was many, because we went to the cap, it wasn't the capital, Suchava? Yeah, Suchava, whether it's the capital or not, I don't know, I don't know, but in that city, in that square, there was this porch on this government building that stuck out and somehow the evangelist we were with had met up met the the maintenance man for that building i think and talk about favor from god he says can i get onto that porch somehow and so this maintenance man takes him up and opens it up and we i would so my job was to hold up the speaker and make sure it didn't fall over that was me hey every job counts guys because if that speaker falls over it ain't projecting the gospel are you with me so i'm standing up holding up this speaker on this small porch and and rod mcdougall starts to preach the gospel in the middle of a business day in suchava and all of a sudden you see people start to gather and traffic stops People begin to gather and just starts getting fuller and fuller and fuller. And people are leaving their places of business. People are leaving their lunchtime routine. And they're gathering in that city square to hear the gospel. And as he preached, and the power of God began to manifest because his, his power, his, 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 his miracles were following his word. People were being healed. And they were responding, well, who is this Jesus? And getting saved. And it brought a city to a standstill. Yes, that leaves people in awe. When you see God disrupt the going on of a city and bring it to a halt so that they can hear the gospel. This is that. Another moment we were in a stadium and I remember I've told this story many times but it never gets old. It's just the power of God to heal and to transform. And there we were on this platform, and, and, and we had to go down and pray for people, and, and they, did, they didn't want us to pray for people, but we would take the camera. And so my dad and I were walking around, and we had the camera, and there was this lady, and she was there with her baby, and she's weeping, and she's looking awfully desperate, and she, she uh, we don't know what's going on, but our hearts are just going out to her. And, 
she turns, the baby's head turns around and there are no pupils in her eyes. And so my dad, he couldn't resist. He was like, in Jesus' name, right? <laughs> Reaches out. And you had, to be, you had to be careful of that because the crowd would attack you if they saw you laying hands. They're like, lay hands on me. That's how desperate they were. That's how desperate they were. And that next morning, we had another meeting the next day, and there was testimony time. And I can remember, I'll never forget this moment where I looked over, and in that lineup were people who were there to give testimony. And I saw the mom who we had prayed with. And there she was holding that baby. And, and I can remember that moment when that baby's eyes turned to me, and bright blue eyes had been restored to that baby. A miracle. In my life, a sign and a wonder. Because I wasn't serving God. I was there by dad. (laughs) But how many know when you experience and you see the works of God, his miracles, his wonders, his signs, you can't deny that he's real. It attests to who he is. It attests to his power, to his glory, to the person of Christ. Just like Pastor Carolyn shared, he was anointed to preach the gospel, to declare good news to the captive, to heal the brokenhearted. Amen? In Acts 2.43, it says this, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Many signs, not just a few, many signs and wonders were taking place. You see, this last year I called this message the new normal because we were dealing with a new normal. But this is supposed to be the original normal of the church. This is supposed to be our original results that God seeks to, do, to bring through us. Many signs and wonders taking place. And after quoting David in Psalm 16 and his messianic prophecy concerning Jesus that his soul would not be left in Hades, nor would God allow his Holy One to see corruption, he goes on to say this in verse 32 of chapter 2. It says, this God has raised, uh, this Jesus God has raised up of which we were all witnesses. Amen. Are you a witness this morning? Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Hallelujah. And he says, this which you see and hear is the proof that God has made Jesus, both Lord and Christ. So this morning, I want, to do the, I want us to take a moment to reflect. As the church, we have to ask ourselves, where is that? If this is that, then where is that? Have we settled for this is that? (laughs) Or are we truly seeking a this is that kind of testimony in the world? Because it's too easy, church, to settle. It's too easy to just get comfortable where things are. But I believe God wants to do exceedingly 
Come on. Abundantly, above and beyond what we could ever ask or think or imagine. So take where you're at. He wants to go way above that. I hope I'm stirring within you this morning some desire, some fire. Come on. You know, when Elijah was dealing, Elisha was dealing with the lady with the vessels and they were pouring oil into him. And it says that when they, the instructions were that when the oil, when the vessel was filled to move it over here, it was set into a new category. It was set into a new category. Are you with me this morning? So the vessel that is filled is moving into a new category of power. So as we present ourselves to him and say, Lord, fill me up, fill me up afresh this morning, we are, being, we are useful for the master's use and for his power to flow in and through us. Amen? Amen? This has always been God's intent, that the life of the church be a demonstration of the spirit and power. Look at 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, and it says, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. I just have a feeling that Paul would not be invited to a lot of preaching or conferences these days. Because he says, I determined to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Now, that doesn't sound like the man of power of the hour. But he says, and my message, though. See, I was weak. But my message was not, was not with persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. And here's the so that. And this is important, that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And that's where God wants our faith to be focused on, is on his power. We can come up with great points, we can do all that in messages, but at the end of the day, it's the power of God that is where our faith is. Demonstration, church, is what we're after. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, he says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. See, that was Paul's norm, was the power of God to be demonstrated through the preaching of the gospel. We were never meant to function as the church independent of the complete empowerment and leading of the Holy Spirit. Then he says this to the Galatian church, and I think it could apply if the shoe fits this morning. You know what, you know what to do. But he says, great start, but not going on in the Spirit. He says, are you so foolish? In Galatians 3.3, 3, are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? We've all fallen into this trap. We start in power, but then we try to do this thing on our own. We try to do it in the power of the flesh, and we get fleshly results. Are you with me? We move from that utter dependency on who he is and his power and his grace in our life to that place of, I'm just going to do this. I got it, God. I'm good. And therefore, we have dead results. 
So the question is, are we living a this is that life? Are we seeing the prophetic purpose of God fulfilled in our life? Are we living up to the potential that God has for us? Are you with me? Can people look at our lives? I was challenged with this. And go, that's so different. What is that that's in your life? What is that joy? What is that peace? What is that confidence? What is that faith in the midst of 42% of the people in the world being in fear and anxiety? What is it that's keeping you? The joy of the Lord is our strength. His spirit empowers us to overcome. Are you with me? He references, see, Paul, see Peter references two promise, promises that were fulfilled. Forgiveness of sins and the pouring out of God's spirit on all flesh. See, we are meant for fulfillment of his promises in our life. All his promises are yes and amen. But are we like Gideon this morning? Because when the angel of the Lord encountered him, he's hiding. Come on. And God says to him, you great man of valor. He's like, who are you talking to? But in responding, he says this. He says, if, and here's the Lord saying, I am with you. And the Lord says that to this, us this morning. I am with you. Lo, I'm with you always. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Be encouraged this morning. But he says, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? We've had those moments. They're, all their crop was getting stolen by, stolen by the Midianites. They were getting invaded. They were hiding. They weren't seeing the, good, the goodness of God at least manifested in their world. He says, and where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? I hear a world crying that out. Where is that? So this morning I want to give you, and I, in closing, I want to give you three things that I believe the Lord wants, just, just simple things that help us to experience all the, the fullness of his, the experience that God has for us. Because God does want us to experience his power. God does want us to experience miracles and signs and wonders. Number one, it starts with knowledge. Micah 4, 6a says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You know, many of us have grown up in environments where we've never seen the power of God. We've never seen miracles. We've never seen signs and wonders. And if you are, God bless you. It's awesome, isn't it? But sometimes because of our knowledge, what we've learned from man, from teaching, from man's doctrines, traditions, we've said that's not possible. We put a box on God. And our box has limited how he can flow in and through our lives. And so it is that God wants to open the eyes of our heart. That's why Paul prays in Ephesians. I probably quote this scripture every message, but it's so important. He prays that the eyes of our hearts be open. The eyes of our understanding be open. That we might see what is the hope of his calling. But also that we might see what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. To get the revelation of what God's able to do. That his power is flowing to us. It was turned on on Pentecost. It hasn't stopped. Faith is the light switch which releases that power. Saying, God, I believe I have your power, your fullness this morning. 
and that he wants to do more. See the magnitude of his surpassing greatness of his power. Let him blow your mind. Let him take you into the exceedingly abundantly above and beyond we could ever ask, think, or imagine. Set the heights higher than they've been before. Come on, church. Number two is desire. Allowing God to fill our hearts with his desires. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, Paul speaking to the church at Corinth says, earnestly desire the greater gifts. Come on. Earnestly desire them. So I would ask, are we desiring earnestly what God has for us? Then in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he says it again, pursue love, but yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. But especially that you may prophesy. Especially that you may prophesy. I hope you're asking for it. I hope you're seeking for it. Because this word desire is not a, 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 a weak word. It means to burn with zeal. It's zealously seek after, to strive after, exert oneself towards something. I'm going after this thing. I want all that God has. Paul has this attitude in Philippians 3 when he says, I, I, I press on. Forgetting what lies behind, but I press on so that I may apprehend that for which he apprehended me. That attitude that says, I haven't arrived yet. I want to apprehend and get hold of all that God has for me. Desire. Delight in the Lord. He'll give you his desires. Do we really want all that God is desiring to pour out? I said I'd keep it simple. Number three is expectancy really is see I don't know but when I come to church on the Sunday morning I was excited this morning for church come on I do not like missing church I don't know how anyone does it I'm telling you I have to be in the house of God (laughs) there's a zeal in my heart for his house there's a zeal in my heart to be with God's people There's a zeal in my heart for the kingdom of God. I want that zeal to increase. But because of that zeal, it makes me want to live in a life of expectancy. Looking for God to move. Not looking for reasons he can't move, but looking for reasons he can move. Looking for where he wants to move. Seeing what the Father's doing just like sister shared setting our eyes our focus our affection our attention on things above where christ is seated at the right hand of the father not on things below but on that the mindset on the spirit is life and peace the mindset on the flesh is death i choose life come on expectancy And that expectancy of receiving from him what he has put in us to desire. Galatians 3.2 says this. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. In the middle of this reproof, right? He says, did you receive the spirit by the works of the law? It wasn't by a striving of self-effort, church. Or by the hearing with faith. That word receive is not passive. But it is an apprehending, grab a hold of. This morning, stir within us, Lord. Open our eyes. Can you stand with your stand to your feet?
as we close. Hallelujah. Would you just, I wonder this morning if you just begin to pray with me. Because let's not be satisfied. Let's not be settled with where we're at. But let's press into the Lord. Let's press in and say, God, we know that you desire to do much more than we've seen or experienced. We know that you have a plan and a purpose for this time, this hour that we are in. We as your people, the people of God, the church, are reminded this morning of our beginning, of our birthplace. We're reminded this morning that you have not ceased to pour out your spirit. So Lord, this morning we declare we hunger and we thirst for you. As even David declared in Psalm 63, it says, in, a, in the wilderness, in a dry and weary land, where there is no water, I thirst. I thirst for you. We're reminded, Lord, that on the day, the last day, the great day of the feast, you stood and cried out, saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. We're reminded this morning that you said that from our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Lord, in so many ways we've fallen short, but this morning we're crying out to you for a fresh outpouring of your spirit in our lives, in the church, in our communities, outside the four walls of this building, God. There are so many people hurting, so many people dispirited and disquieted, like sheep without a shepherd, God. And yet within us is the same power to raise Jesus from the dead. Quicken us this morning by your Holy Spirit. Quicken us. Lord, we're not satisfied with where we're at. We're not settled, God. Lord, we believe that this is the time of your visitation. This is the time of your manifestation of your power and your glory. Come, Lord. Come and fill this temple with glory. Come and fill us, Lord.